a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. A means of punishment for unruly children. This is Table Talk Radio. Uh, welcome back for another week of Table Talk Radio. For this week is time for the praise song cruncher. Hey, hey by the way, since Calvinists don't have means, except for Charmley has means, but all the other Calvinists don't have means, how do they punish their children without uh, means? They, they, uh... I mean, we are means of punishment, you said. Right. Look, I didn't mean to jump into so much theology right off the well, bat. Hold on, hold on. Can we just ease it in with maybe some buzzwords <laughs> and an email, and then we'll maybe think yeah. about doing something? Yeah, sorry. All right. My well, bad. Uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, an easy buzzword then. Uh, my theological buzzword for you, uh, with the option of uh, up to 500 Table Talk Radio points, depending on how naturally you work into the conversation, is Trinity. Hey, all right. Uh, Trinity uh, is uh, tri, meaning three, uh, unity, <laughs> meaning one, <laughs> or together, union. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, th- uh, three persons, uh, one God. Uh, this uh, is the uh, thing that defines Christianity, because uh, every other religion uh, attacks, denies, or um, refutes the the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, so that uh, we do not have three gods, but we have one God, uh, and uh, we have there are three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not uh, three gods, but uh, one God, and uh, uh, not one person, but three. So, um, all, all all kinds of uh, early church history uh, heresies creep up here. Modalism, um, all, a lot of them are surrounding the Trinity, especially uh, like Arianism, defining uh, who Jesus is uh, and how he relates uh, to, to man and deity. Um, so the the, the Trinity the Trinity is a tricky thing. It's hard to to, um, to properly confess the Trinity, but we do so using the words of Scripture and then the words of the creeds of the Church. Yeah, good. I'll give you a buzzword if you want one. Um, yes. It is the word Christian. Ah. I already used that word. You did? Uh, now, some people, this is why I have this buzzword today, because some people, it's trendy nowadays to say, no, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. I'm not, uh, I'm I'm a spiritual but not religious. Yeah, that is part of the worldview that we call Jesus the homecoming king. Where did my list of worldviews go? Here it is. 
We have four worldviews so far in the Table Talk Radio worldview catalog. Jesus is my homecoming king. Jesus is just a good friend who's not my homecoming <laughs> king. Uh, let's get ready to rumble worldview and garbage in, garbage out worldview. That was what Madonna was saying. That's the karma. So uh, people say, no, 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 this is not a religion. It's a relation. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christ follower or whatever. Uh, Christian is a biblical word. Uh, the, uh, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And it means uh, uh, one who... Uh, one on whom Christ has put his name. Now, the, what's the difference then between being a Christ follower and being a Christian? Well, on the one hand, a Christ follower puts all the action on who? I mean, you. what's the verb there? I'm the one that's following. Jesus is running away, and I'm chasing the guy down. <laughs> a Christian, on the other hand, so, let's... So it's like uh, stockbook users. <laughs> <laughs> that has to do with this Jesus is my homecoming king thing. A Christian, on the other hand, is one who has been marked as Christ's own by Jesus himself. So, Christian. All right, Christian. I'll see if I can work that in sometime during this Christian talk show. Um, All right, five <laughs> points. <laughs> no, 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 that's not mine. I'll, I'll, I'll work on right, it better. All right. All right, do we have any emails today? Yeah, here's one from uh, Matt. Hi, guys. My name is Matt. I love your show. And yes, I'm a Calvinist. Uh, now, look, you Calvinists out there. We're going to give you, call us off air, and we're going to give you a number for counseling. I'm wondering (laughs) if you guys have more Calvinist listeners than Lutheran. I think we do, because we've tracked the listenership now. We have 15 listeners, which is seven from your family and six from my family, and the whole population of Canada, three. Uh, (laughs) And so since we know like six of them are Calvinist, mostly from Evan's family. (laughs) No, we got it. We're having a little bit of trouble with the math because there was well, the show was downloaded like seven million times or something. Yeah, about that. I listened to your latest show, read your letter from Pastor Charmley, and interacted with him in a kindly and gentle way. That's my own addition. <laughs> I think you guys are not quite right about Calvin. You said that Calvin doesn't view the sacraments as a means of grace and that his view of the external internal call of the gospel destroys assurance. Generally, Calvin would overcome this with the sacraments. For Calvin, the sacraments are given for our assurance because of our weakness. They're God's confirmation. The external call says Jesus died for sinners. The sacraments say I baptize you and this is my body given for you. Well, if you believe that, by the way, then you would just be a Lutheran, not a Calvinist. But anyhow, Matt continues. Calvin's Strasbourg Children's Catechism, dated from 1538 to 39, begins with the following question and answer. My child, are you a Christian in fact as well as in name? Yes, my father. How do you? Uh, how is this known to you? Answer, because I am baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's nice. Later in the same work, Calvin writes, How did you come into this communion of the church? Answer, through baptism. What is this baptism? It's a washing of regeneration and a cleansing from sins. Now we have, I don't know, read this whole thing. It takes a long time. It's printed really small, like my copy of Calvin's Institutes as well. But I have two whole pages of um, quotes uh, where Calvin talks about the sacraments as assurance of salvation. Here's Here's one. We are not to think that baptism was conferred upon us only for the pastime, so that for newly committed sins into which we fall after baptism, we must seek new remedies of expiation in some other sacraments, as if we, as if the force of the former one were spent. For though baptism, administered only once, seemed to have passed, it was still not destroyed by subsequent sins. Or here later, um, 
the forgiveness of sins, this is Calvin, you ready? The forgiveness of sins is dispensed to us through the ministers and pastors of the church. Hmm. Hmm. Either by preaching the gospel, including the declaration of the absolution, or by the administration of the sacraments. And herein chiefly stands the power of the keys, which the Lord has gifted to the society of believers. So there you go, Calvinists. There's your... Uh John I know, I know. Here's a, here's a little quote. Uh, Matt interrupts uh, this long list of quotes. He says, The problem may also be that Calvin intentionally sounds more like Luther when dealing with the Lutherans and more like Zwingli when dealing with them. Mm. Some have criticized Calvin for this, his tendency to be ecumenical. Here, here's a, another one. The sacraments are an earnest by which we may be rendered secure of the promises of God. Uh, or here later... In general, I confess that as well as the supper as in baptism, God gives in reality and effectually whatever he figures in them. The receiving of this great boon, we require to join the word with the signs, uh, etc. Uh, Matt continues, I hope this helps you see that there's a strong tradition of crypto-Lutherans in the Reformed Church. That's what I've been called by other Calvinists. Uh, grace to you in Christ, Matt. Now, I suggest to any of you listeners that have been called crypto-Lutherans that you just simply drop the crypto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's the problem with this whole thing. How do we answer this? The problem is that whenever it says we in the voice of Calvin, you have to read into it the subtext is we, the secretly elected, uh, who regard baptism as nothing but a token and mark, we confess our religion before men uh, as soldiers bear the insignia, or here, we ought to deem it certain and proved that it is he who speaks to us through the sign, we meaning the secret elect, and I will prove it. I opened up here the prayable Westminster Confession of Faith. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 10, Effectual Calling, says this, All those whom God has predestined unto life, and those only... He is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation in Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, etc. This effectual call is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man who is altogether passive therein, etc., Others, now I'm at paragraph 4, not elected, although they may be called by the ministry of the word and may have some common operations of the spirit, yet they never truly come unto Christ and therefore therefore cannot be saved. Much less can men not professing the Christian religion be saved in any other way whatsoever, uh, be they ever so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of religion that they do profess, etc., So, every time Calvin says that the sacraments give assurance, we have to understand that it's only to those who are secretly elected before time. Aha, and that is not Lutheran. (laughs) All right, Uh, guess what? Praise Song Cruncher is next on Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned through this commercial break. Have you been praying the Westminster Confession? Not lately. Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? Yeah. I feel it too. Ooh. 
It's time for the Praise Song Cruncher on Table Talk Radio. Is that why you had the feeling bump? I get it. <laughs> hey, I was just reviewing this <laughs> email that I just read. <laughs> yeah, I got the new. We got the new Calvinizer. Uh, so you should, if you want the Calvinizer, what you should do is simply take a note card and write on it the phrase, "If you are one of the secretly elect." And every time that Calvin has a has a, a pronoun, you just simply insert that little phrase. So, <laughs> uh, so here's a, an example. It says, uh, "Through baptism, Christ makes us sharers in His death, that we may be engrafted in it." If it has the Calvinizer, it would go like this: "Through baptism, Christ makes us, if we are the secretly elect, sharers <laughs> in His death, that we, if we are the secretly elect, may be engrafted in it." Yeah, if we could get uh, uh, West or Calvin, if we can get Calvin on uh, Microsoft Word, we could do a replace all and just <laughs> replace every pronoun. <laughs> all right, time for the praise song cruncher. I have an email from Chuck. <laughs> Chuck says, "Email as a good Presby Lutheran." What is, what is going just on here? Just drop the. <laughs> what are those things called when you put it at the beginning of the word? Drop the Prefix. prefixes. As a good Presby Lutheran. I love the old hymns, The Majesty of the Glory. There are many things about the new praise songs that I find disturbing, aside from being soft and sappy. I, as a raging, raging heterosexual, find that these are most <laughs> mostly love songs, romantic love songs. Jesus is the prom king. I mean, and, the homecoming king. And I find it hard to picture myself running into the arms of another man. <laughs> Maybe it's my age, 64, but Whoa. Mel- but Mel- you might be the oldest listener. What's the guy's name? <laughs> Chuck. Do you want us to slow down a little, Chuck? Oh, sorry. Talk a little louder. But Mel- <laughs> <laughs> you're awful. <laughs> sorry, Chuck. Be nice to our listeners. I know. We don't. We're not get them back. This is like we need to cherish everyone that we have here. We need to have a, a sense of humor check before you become a listener. That's by right. The way. And then add a prefix to it. Uh, but melodies and rhythms of so many of the praise songs remind me of dances I used to go to with girls. Hey, that's the I we got it in our worldview catalog. This is becoming clearer and clearer. <laughs> uh, am I right, or am I just having a senior moment? And then Chuck concludes with, "I quote unquote love your programs." <laughs> hey, you know the the Chuck. second thing to go, Chuck, is your memory. <laughs> The first thing, you probably can't remember. Well, we'll do what we can with the Praise Song Cruncher, though the Praise Song Cruncher doesn't necessarily set out to determine uh, emotionalism. Uh, it does set out to uh, find mysticism, and the two are often closely related. Hey, you make a fine distinction there, which I think is important, because most of the time the Praise Songs were criticized because they were me-centered and emotional. But we know now, we know, we've been tracking this thing down. Uh, that we're like um, wildlife biologists uh, tracking down the praise songs, tra- uh, tagging them and watching where they go. So instead of the crocodile hunter, we have the praise song hunter. And and so you see Pastor Wilmer, all right, I see it in its natural habitat. This one's dangerous. Look at the teeth on it. <laughs> now, uh, we know that they are mystis- mystics and, and that, uh, that emotionalism and self-centeredism is simply a uh, symptom of being mystical. But it's not. it doesn't get to the core of the thing. You could still have a mystical song that's not self-centered or emotive, uh, and yet it could still be mystical. So... 
Right, and we have five questions to ask uh, of the praise song in analyzing whether or not it is a mystical praise song. The first one is uh, Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned? Second one is the song of clarity. Uh, we have a, a one to ten scale. Ten being very clear, one being obscure. Here you're looking for, uh, uh, you know, sentences uh, or sentence fragments. Number three is the mysticism. You're looking for subjectivity or objectivity here. Um, now, are we are we uh, sticking with the terminology, uh, hypnotic mantra? Oh yeah, for now we haven't changed it. We had the hypnotist call in to complain <laughs> that it was insulting to hypnotism to compare it to. I don't know. That the the jury is still out on that. All right, so we don't have to work too fast on that. We're still wasn't the guy Canadian about that? <laughs> was he a Canadian hypnotist? Yes, yes, he was. What in the world? <laughs> what are all of you Canadians doing listening? <laughs> That's weird, eh? <laughs> um, four is law and gospel. <laughs> Did you get that little A? Yeah, I, I got it. You got to acknowledge my jokes. I'm... All right, law and Sorry. or gospel. I'll hook up the laugh button. <laughs> law and gospel. And then law and gospel often leads into the fifth question, is there any expli- explicit false teaching? So if law and gospel are uh, commingled and mixed up, uh, then you're probably going to end up with some false teaching. Um uh, but if you have it rightly divided, uh, the, the the gospel talking about what, what what Christ has done for us for the forgiveness of sins, um, then uh, you're you're on your way to, uh, to to less false teaching. Uh, but that's the fifth question anyway. So uh, our first praise song comes from Reuben. He says, um, uh, "You know what you guys should crunch the mother of all praise songs." He says, "I love you, Lord, and I lift up my voice." That was an old standard, even when I was a kid in the charismatic de- denominational church. I thought it was the charismental fundamatic church for a second. Is this from Reuben, did you say? Yeah, Reuben. Our official Calvinist blogger? Yeah. How's that uh, graphic coming? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to put on my do list right now. <laughs> One puzzle I'd like you to solve for me ever since I was a kid. I've never understood that last line. Why would we be singing sweet sounds into God's ear? Uh, he has a typo here. It's kind of funny. The typo would read uh, sweet sounds into God's rear. <laughs> I think I think that's supposed to be an H. <laughs> sweet sounds into God's ear, I think it is supposed to be. Is <laughs> Calvinists only have access to one side. <laughs> I'm going to expect a pastor trimly email on that remark. Uh, is that supposed to be some kind of reference to Exodus 33, verse 23? That's what Moses uh, says. Look, this is biblical, you know. I will show you my backside. That's Exodus. You don't remember the Bible text? I, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, how many shows have we done today? This is the first one. Since oh. last week. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we will be happy to oblige uh, Reuben here, and here is I Love You, Lord.
<laughs> what a typo. <laughs> Is that is there Freudian slips in uh, in in typing? <laughs> All right, uh, get serious here. Jesus is Jesus mentioned? <sighs> um, Lord, Lord, King, Lord and King do not qualify as mentions of Jesus unless you have some other sort of modification to note that it is Jesus. Because. Because it could also refer to um, God the Father, or it could refer to God in general. For example, if you were Jewish and didn't believe in Jesus, would you call God your King and your Lord? Answer? Yes. Okay. Two, clarity. Is the song clear? Mm, I think so. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. <laughs> it's much more clear with the typos removed. <laughs> May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. <laughs> oh man, that is the funniest thing. <laughs> I didn't notice that until I was reading it on the air. <laughs> Make a, oh. yeah, I think it's clear. I mean, look, it's saying it's a song. So here's, it's one of these songs where we're singing directly to the, the Lord, the King, and we're saying, "I love you. I'm singing to you." I'm rejoicing in you, and um, and may what I say to you be nice in your ears. So, I mean, for what it is, it is what it is. I mean, clear enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the question of mysticism. Yeah, this is getting pretty close to mysticism. I mean, this certainly falls into the <laughs> category of Jesus is my homecoming king, right? I mean, or it, in this case, it would be the Lord is my homecoming king. <laughs> And it says right here, take joy, my king. There you have it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> take joy, my homecoming king, in what you hear. This is, I mean, um, to what now what about this? To worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. Then we have this, to worship you as my soul demands. See that in the second stanza? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. The change there. Uh, we gotta we gotta look at what that means. All right, after I, this bump. I have a new uh, standard for determining whether this is to the homecoming king. Just ask yourself: Does Pastor Wolfmuller probably sing this to his wife at night? <laughs> I love you, wife, and I lift up my voice. We'll talk about that when we get back. It's not a radio show, it's a relationship. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I love you, Lord, and I lift up my voice. To worship you, O oh my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. It may may it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I got the formula now, the magic praise formula. Ready? 
10 minus C, that's clarity, minus M, that's mysticism, plus 5 times L, that's law or gospel, all divided by F, false doctrine, times J, Jesus, divided by 3. All right. We'll see how this one equates. <laughs> I'm all about the mathematical regression. <laughs> well, let's ask the law of gospel question and plug that into your formula. Wait, what did we say for... Okay, so Jesus is zero. On this song, J equals zero. There's no mention of Jesus. Now, clarity was what? Clear? Yeah, you gave this a high clarity rating. So what does that mean? Uh, ten is clear. When ten is, is clear? clear? Oh, i got to change my formula. Uh-oh. Negative C. So ten plus C minus M. So C equals ten. <laughs> now, what did we say for mystic quality? Um... You said it was getting towards mysticism because it sings to Jesus the prom king. Oh, we wanted to talk about this line. Your homecoming to, king. To worship you as my soul demands. Yeah, homecoming, because isn't homecoming where the girls ask the guys? You don't know. <laughs> to worship you, oh my soul rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. Sweet, sweet sound in your ear. That's fairly mystical. I'm going to say um, six and a half. I don't think that the girls ask the guys in... In Homecoming. Sorry. When is that, then? Uh, that's a Sadie, Sadie Hawkins dance. <clears throat> mm. hmm. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, listener. That's probably... You or Evan thought he was always waiting around <laughs> yeah. for the girls to ask. <laughs> no, I just never... I never waited for it. I was like, no, no, that's not how it works. I'm supposed to ask the girls. <laughs> okay, and then uh, explicit false teaching. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I guess you have, well, just things going the wrong direction here. But yeah, yeah, as it always does in mysticism. But there's no, there's nothing like, uh, I, mean, I love you, I mean, Bale, and I uh, lift my hands. <laughs> I, uh, I guess I don't know uh, how the soul demands to worship. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of uh, Romans 12, where it says this is a reasonable act of worship. In other words, the, what the only thing that... The soul of a Christian, uh, it it is compelled to to worship the Lord. I, that's how. I don't know. Maybe it's not as clear as I thought. I'm degrading the clarity <laughs> to an eight. Yeah, when we when we can't get to the <clears throat> the bottom of the of the explicit false teaching, we need to downgrade clarity. So a false doctrine we have as as um we have to put a one because there's no false doctrine. Now. We didn't do law gospel. That's my L here. And I think that is... Um, there's law. I love you, Lord. Remember, the, the, the word love can go uh, either law or gospel. It depends on who's loving who or who's loving whom. So if the Lord is loving us, that's gospel. If we're loving the Lord, that's law. So this there's law there, but there's no gospel. So law and gospel is not rightly divided. That makes L a zero. All right, any other thoughts? It's going to take me like 20 minutes to short out my formula here. Oh, great. Well, we'll go to another commercial break. Um, (laughs) When we get back from this commercial break, we're going to get to hear from Pastor's Arithmetic. 10 plus 8 6.5. Who was your uh, 7th grade math teacher? I don't know. (laughs) Why? Who was yours? uh, I was going to... uh, Call her up and and tell her how uh, her student is doing years later. So the See, seventh grade that would have been um, Mrs. McGee. She was kind of weird. She had this uh, 
She had this uh, weird doll that we all thought was a voodoo doll that, uh, you know, she'd start twisting and contorting when her students weren't around. I gotta do. I gotta do this. Figure out the formula because I think what I just did is an irrational number. <laughs> <laughs> he got this big error thing on his calculator. That kind of makes sense that a mystical <laughs> song would be irrational. Syntax error. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, can we play the next song? Oh while yeah, you're, while yeah. You're oh man, I'm there? ready. Let's crunch away. Uh, this we'll song is crunched. Then mark it down as crunched. Crunched. All right. This next one comes to us by uh, from Jason. He says, "If that sovereign grace, the Father's love song." Remember that one? No. Um, that one that one fared pretty pretty well in the praise song cruncher. I don't know if it passed. I'll have to go back and look. But uh, if that sovereign grace, Father's love song, was too fast for your taste, here's something along those lines that's a lot slower. It is "At the Cross" by Brian Dorkson. This one's a little too fast for me, too. And uh, is this just a repeat, or is it something different in there? No, it's just a repeat. Uh, I know a place, a wonderful place, where... Oh, no, this is different. No, it's the same. Sorry. <laughs> I don't can't remember uh, what he just sang. I know, I know a place, a wonderful place, where accused and condemned find mercy and grace, where the wrongs we have done and the wrongs done to us were nailed there with you there on the cross. So it changes from the third person uh, pronoun to the second person pronoun. So the direction of the song changes. The first the first stanza is singing to the congregation. Oh. Uh, and the second stanza is singing to Good eye. I didn't catch Lord. that. Of course, I wasn't paying much attention. Trying to we, I mean, you got to hire a math uh, mathematician. <laughs> some sort of someone who is uh, knows something about chaos theory. <laughs> I wonder this if it's going to be a differential equation. I wonder if formula. Mrs. Wolfmuller can tell us who your seventh grade teacher is. Math what is teacher. it? Why are you so worried about this? Because she obviously he or she obviously failed. Can't figure out this combination. I did fairly good in seventh grade math. Okay. Anyhow, I've been learning calculus now because I'm studying the guy who does the Khan Academy. K A H N K H A N. Is that a Table Talk Radio endorsement? No. Oh yeah. Yeah, that is all the he gets like a million hits a day so now he'll get like a million and one uh okay this is this uh uh okay so you want to walk jesus. through this thing yes jesus is there uh well i mean uh, presumably when you talk about someone dying 
on the cross for your sins, you're talking about Jesus. I so, think that is fair to say. So he's not mentioned explicitly by name, but by what we call concept. Okay, clarity. Uh, I know place, wonderful place. At the cross. Yeah, yeah, clear. Use sentences, etc. Yep, looks good. Uh, mysticism. This is very interesting. This song suffers from the curse of evangelicalism, and the curse is that they do not have the means of grace. So, uh, you, you can talk about the cross not only as the point where Jesus won sins, but also where he delivers sins. And that's a bad thing. Uh, now, I don't know how close we want to... I mean, this is the... Uh, uh, this is kind of the essence of mysticism, but it's what we're—it's different than what we're talking about. But I got a—I got a Luther quote here. Ready? This is against the heavenly prophets. So that our readers may better perceive our teaching, I shall clearly and broadly describe it. We treat the forgiveness of sins in two ways: first, how it's achieved and won; second, how it's distributed and given to us. Christ has achieved it on the cross. It's true. But he has not distributed or given it on the cross. He has not won it in the supper or the sacrament. There he has distributed and given it through the word, as also in the gospel where it is preached. He has won it, forgiveness of sins, once for all on the cross. But the distribution takes place continually before and after, from the beginning of the, to the end of the world. For inasmuch as he has determined once to achieve it, it made no difference to him whether he distributed it before or after through his word as can easily be proved from the scriptures. But now there's neither need nor time to do so. So that the so that uh, uh, we have this distinction between the, where the forgiveness of sins is won and where the forgiveness of sins is distributed. It's won on the cross, distributed in his word and sacrament. Here, here the song has the cross as the point where forgiveness of sins is won and the forgiveness of sins is delivered. At the cross, at the cross, you died for our sin. At the cross, at the cross, you gave us life again. See, the trouble here is that you actually can't get to the cross. I was at, did I tell you the story when I was at Jerusalem where the, the hole in the ground where they think the cross was? And you, you got to kind of crawl under this altar. There's an altar there and your hands on your knees and you crawl through it and there's this glass plane and a hole in it and you can reach in and put your hand in the hole where they think the hmm. cross was. And, and I actually then went and went around the corner and you could... You could, there's this wall there, and you can see these hands reaching through this hole. It's huh. weirdest thing. But there's no cross there. So the cross cannot be where Jesus uh, forgives sins. It's in his word that we find. All right, we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. <laughs> There's no tenderness like before in your radio show.
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Finishing up this crunch of At the Cross by Brian Dorkson. Uh, what now, an unfortunate so, last name. <laughs> uh, you can't help what your last name is. It, yeah. I mean, Gagline and Wolfmuller. Yeah, that's a... You those know, are the last names for get you. Get stuck with these Japanese names. <laughs> now, it sounds like, though, you're not... I don't think I hear you saying, I don't see it in the song, that it's it's misses them per se. It just doesn't deliver the goods. It doesn't deliver uh, Christ crucified. But there's not a an element of mysticism in it. Well, it's just... It sends us to the wrong place. I mean, Fine. it would but send it's us not, to the... It's, it's not seeking a uh, direct divine connection. Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, I yeah, that's right. So it's in, it's somewhat implied. It's it's this thing. So how do you get to the cross? Right. And how do you get there? Well, you get there. You want to know how you get there? You get there by singing this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of a closet mysticism. It's not a direct <laughs> mysticism. There. No. I mean, I so I don't know quite what to do with it. Now the listeners don't know this because it's still sitting in the Table Talk Radio vault. Uh, but you interviewed Brian Dorkson. And w- w- I like Brian Dorkson. He also uh, wrote the song "Come Now Is the Time to Worship." Right? Is right. that the same guy? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that he said from the interview uh, stands out to me, uh, and that's what, that's when he said that it doesn't make any sense that we we send our pastors to seminary so that they they learn deep theological education uh, for whatever two, three, four years, um, uh, so they can they can preach for fifteen, twenty, twenty five minutes on a service. But the praise song writers, uh, they don't need no theological education necessary. But it's the praise songs, it's the it's the music that people sing that they that they go home with. So, uh, in other words, uh, the theology that people are, are probably going to be walking home with is the music, not the sermon. Yet it's a it's the preachers that we send to seminary. Right. That that really stood out to me. That uh, it was nice to hear him say that. Right. That's right. He had the lex arendi lex credendi thing right. Uh, what you 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 believe what you sing. Yeah, so um, we need to figure out what we're going to do with those interviews, but look for that uh, maybe yeah, coming out soon. we got to figure out that. i got three down, 17 to go. That's a problem. No one calls me back anymore. Apparently the word got out. <laughs> Watch out for this. Table Talk Radio, fellows. I know it. They'll they'll lure you in with the, with the promise of points. But the points don't mean anything. <laughs> All right, what about law and gospel? Um... Yeah, let's look. There is law and gospel in this song. The uh, where where accursed and condemned find mercy and grace. Where the wrongs we have done and the wrongs done to us were nailed with there with him on the cross. Now, that's actually quite nice because it's. I mean, this thing where the wrongs done to us are also forgiven. I mean, that's a fairly important point. I mean, Jesus forgives forgives. Uh, not just the sins that we commit, but also the sins committed against us. And when we're kind of, when we're fighting through different degrees of shame for the things that have happened to us in this life, we need to know that those also were died for. Now, it might be tough. You say, are you kidding me? Jesus died for that jerk who did this to me? The answer is yes. And we and we got to come to grips with that. So that's nice. And there's law there and there's gospel there. It's just this, I mean, and you you can't hardly blame the guy because of course he doesn't know about baptism or the Lord's Supper or the efficacy of the Scriptures, because he's not a Lutheran. So I mean I I was I'm afraid that if I was to say that this song has false doctrine, and um, or or if it's mystical, it's 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 blaming the guy for something that it's very hard to blame him for. 
Now, should a Lutheran sing the song? No. But is he doing the best with the theology that he's got? I think, yeah. I don't know. What do you? Can you? I, does that count as a crunch? I don't know. Hmm. Confounded. I'm trying to have some sympathy for these guys because, I mean, look at if you go to the praise song guys, you're like, hey, your song's mystical. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> so yes, sweet. I, I wonder uh, how the how the praise song guru who is going for the mystical um, song or the mystical experience, how what he would think of this song. Would he say, all right? Uh, this is this is a good song, or yeah, he might not. He says like, look, it's not mystical enough. You know, I and I have these conversations, and you, dear table talk listener, probably go out and have the conversation with your friends because you love the praise song cruncher, and you say, hey, uh, those praise songs are mystical, and and people say, uh, so, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with the mysticism? We should be more mystical. Uh, give us some more mystical music, uh, so that you realize that the critique that we're bringing is a critique. Which is actually a compliment. It's like one time, I remember when I was on Vicarage. I might have told this story before. I was on Vicarage and I was teaching a ladies' Bible class. And uh, one of the ladies came up to me afterwards and they said, uh, You know, Vicar Wolfmuller, uh, you'll be a great seminary professor one day. <laughs> and I, <laughs> it, not a I said, compliment. Oh, thank you. Until I realized five minutes later, boom, that was an insult. <laughs> <laughs> they were saying... Uh, we got no idea what you're talking about. So that was, uh, that was, this is how it is. You go, you say, hey, that song's mystical. And they say, oh, thanks. Awesome. All right. Uh, so you ready for some uh, contemporary or traditional? Oh, I'm always ready for this. I mean, we play it all the time. All right, explain we? the rules then. Uh, so the rules is, we're, uh, why are we doing this? Oh, because we just, so we're trying to contrast maybe some praise songs with some hymns. So. The way this this little game goes is we read a couple stanzas of a hymn and we have to guess if it's contemporary or traditional. Now the the rules are that to qualify as a contemporary hymn, it has to be written after the year 1750. If it was written before the year 1750, it is traditional. And if it's written in the year 1750, then it's it qualifies as a blended song for your blended worship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you ready? By the way, 1750 is not just a obnoxious date. It's a date. It's the year that Bach died, and it's kind of the mark of the Romantic period. To if be, you were wondering. To be sure, it is an obnoxious date, but it's not <laughs> just an obnoxious date. Yeah, it's not sola obnoxio. <laughs> All right, uh, this uh, first hymn for your consideration uh, is going to be uh, oh, the uh, office hymn during the ordination service. Uh, hey, oh yeah, okay, good. Ready? Yeah. What God ordains is always good. He, his will abideth holy. <laughs> is this really the cross and suffering one? You're going to have all the hymns from the cross and suffering section for your ordination? Just Probably re- for the people. Dude. Just remember, what God ordains is always good. <laughs> yeah, we, and that's the people who are saying, oh boy, we got to walk by faith and not, and not by sight on this one. <laughs> what God ordains is always good. His will abideth holy. As he directs my life for me, I follow meek and lowly. My God indeed in every need doth well know how to shield me. To him then I will yield, I will yield me. You want another stanza or, or ready to guess? No, give me another one. What God ordains is always good. He never will deceive me. He leads me in his own right way, and never will he leave me. I take content 
what he hath sent, his hand that sends me sadness will turn my tears to gladness. I do not know, but I think that is traditional. And the cutoff is 1750? Yeah. You are right, 1681. Who wrote that thing? Um, Samuel Rodigast. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's kind of nice, though. You know that you're you're singing from the cross and comfort section there. Uh, and it's um it's nice to I mean this you know these old uh, um, saints suffered incredible things, and for them to stand and sing, look what God ordains. It's that's always good. I mean this is the song that faith sings. I got one for you. Alrighty, I'm ready. Jesus, lead thou on till our rest is won, and although the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless. Guide us by thy hand to our fatherland. If the way be drear, if the foe be near, let not faithless fears overtake us, let not faith and hope forsake us, for though many a woe to our home we go, when we seek relief from a long-felt grief, when temptations come alluring, make us patient and enduring, show us that bright shore where we weep no more. Nice. Is that from the uh, Cross and Comfort section, too? No, this is from the section I never use, uh, but this is from the New Obedience section. <laughs> um, have you noticed in the New Hymnal and the Lutheran Service Book they change Cross and Comfort to Hope and Comfort? No. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I like that. Hmm. I'm going to guess... I like this old hymnal because I think it's retro, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I'm going to guess that that hymn is... Contemporary. That's close. <laughs> it's by Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Do you remember Zinzendorf? Uh huh. I do. Yeah. So yeah I, the fact that Zinzendorf made uh, be... made a couple hymns in here is a little bit suspicious to me. But this is <laughs> this is a fine hymn. 1721. Oh. Fairly close. Yeah, yeah. That is close. I should get some points for that. I like the name Zinzendorf. Well, his theology was a bit suspect. It's true, Zinzendorf. but he was a Christian. He was a Christian. And that is 500 Table Talk Radio points oh, for me sheesh. with uh, right at the closing. <laughs> you even agreed with me, yes? Yes, it's true. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Table Talk Radio. Give us a call if you have feedback, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the comfort you get from singing cross and comfort hymns at your ordination. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The uh, views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect and the also views or opinions the of this station. <laughs> we would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.